Hello to all our wedding planning couples. I'm Tara and welcome to the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. I'm excited to share my creativity and 14 years experience as a professional wedding planner and decorator. And I'm Josh and we're so happy you're joining us for some solid down to earth wedding planning advice that I've accumulated over my 18 years in the industry. We believe that weddings are supposed to be fun and fulfilling, not full of stress and conflict. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting and coordination services. Visit us at completewedo.com for more information. The wedding planning is not for you. The idea of bringing hundreds of people to town for a big party just doesn't fit. Your dream is more of an intimate event with only the closest people. So maybe a destination wedding is right for you. We're joined again by our friendly neighborhood travel agent, Nikki. Thanks for making it back with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. And Tara, go ahead and uh, jump right into the questions we have. Yeah, actually, real quick, just in case uh, people weren't listening to our honeymoon planning podcast, which if you missed that, uh, definitely go back and check out that. Um, But just kind of give us a brief uh, intro of Care Travel, which is the name of your company and uh, Nikki and kind of maybe how long you've been doing destination weddings. Sure. I have owned Care Travel since 2004. It's my baby. Care Travel stands for Concierge and Romantic Escapes because we specialize in all the romance travel, honeymoons, destination weddings, anniversaries, anything that we can add that special touch to. We have a team of four of us. So um, everything we do is very team oriented. And I've been doing destination weddings specifically since 2005. So it was one of the first components that I dived into for my training and all of that. I enjoy the romance stuff. Yeah. Are there certain resorts that you work with primarily to do those destination weddings or are you open to all? We're open to all resorts. Um, There are some destination chains and resort brands of the all-inclusives that typically are easier to work with as far as um, their wedding packages and the amenities and perks that they offer our guests. So we do have some preferred brands, but we can work with any of them. And it doesn't have to just be all inclusive. We do a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, but we do several like in Italy and Greece, Ireland when needed. Perfect. When would you say a couple should start planning their destination wedding if they've made that decision? I think as soon as possible. Ideally, we want them at a year and a half out. So a year and a half to two years is a good mark. Um, Two years, the resorts are open to start booking. A year and a half is ideal because it gives our clients time to decide what they want, get the resort, get their contracted group blocks and all of the fun things out of the way, the paperwork stuff, and then still have at least a year to work with for payment plans for their guests to be able to make payments on their travels. So they tend to have more people travel when they have an option to make payments. Do you have, would you say, popular destinations that people are choosing on a regular basis? And what would those destinations be? (laughs) Pre-COVID, we had, in in order, is St. Lucia, then Jamaica, and Mexico were our top. Now, it is Jamaica, St. Lucia, and Mexico. 
So Mexico is still up there and it is the easier destination because they're not requiring COVID tests to enter where Mexico and St. Lucia do, but we're kind of at the point in the COVID process that most people have accepted that they have to get tested either way, whether they're vaccinated or not, tests are still going to apply. So it hasn't detoured a lot of the Caribbean destinations. So in, in addition to the, the kind of Caribbean hierarchy switching up a little bit, have you seen a, a spike in more domestic wedding um, type of uh, destinations um, as opposed to I, getting out of the country? Yeah, definitely. I personally don't get a lot of domestic requests. When I do, they are sent to Tara because I don't do a whole lot for U.S. destinations in general. So um, the only U.S. we really do is um, Disney. We do the Disney fairy tale weddings. Um, but if they want like a Florida or Colorado wedding, we don't do a lot of those. So I refer those out to other agencies and partners that I know can handle more of the U.S. Because I typically don't work with other vendors where a local wedding, you work with a florist and a caterer and a venue and all of those pieces. When I, I work with resorts or specific hotels that have those relationships already. So in the U.S., that's harder. And that's not something that we take the time to specialize in because there's so many wedding planners out there like you guys that can do that portion. And I would definitely say your Colorado and your Florida are where we're seeing a lot of destinations, although, you know, those, those college towns people consider, you know, coming back to their college town like Manhattan and it's, considering that a destination wedding. And for some people, it's perfectly it fine. Is, exactly. And as you can say, the, the requests that I've seen come through are for that Colorado or Florida. They want the outdoor mountains or they want the Florida beaches because they don't want to get vaccinated or whatever reason it is to stay local or go to the Caribbean. Yeah, perfect. Will, do you say, will resorts, as we kind of talked about those vendors, you kind of touched on this, that some of them already have those relationships. Do you find that the resorts have vendors on site or at least just companies within those countries that will provide those? Both. <laughs> Most of our vendors have um, really good contacts on site. So we work with the wedding coordinators on site and then they partner with the local florists and things like that. So I personally like using the companies that don't outsource tons of things that I know it's in their hands. Um, I don't, I love when we can be in control of their experience and you don't have too many hands in the pot. When you start getting too many opinions, things get missed and, and lost in translation. So a lot of our suppliers that we work with either do it in-house and pull out a few, you know, like DJ services and photographers are two of the popular ones that they outsource to a local company. So um, that's kind of how, how they work at, on that side. So a quick follow-up to that. Um, are there any things that they just absolutely have to out outsource because it doesn't make sense to have it be part of the resort? And floral is one of the things that immediately comes to mind. It just, I have a hard time believing that a, a, a sandals resort, for example, is going to have the ability yeah. to bring their own flowers in, but correct me if I'm wrong. 
Yeah. So number one, sandals is a great example because they do have their own floral connection <laughs> that they work with directly. Um, so they pull in all of their own flowers. The most common outsourced is your DJ services and your photography services. And so are yeah. typically they're giving you a list of uh, like of preferred them. places to vet or something like that? Definitely, definitely. So there's a list in every destination that I do that I have, um, that I've made personal contacts that I know, like, let's say Sandals is going to outsource and they're going to give me three options. Of those three options, I have contacts with two of them. So I'm going to reach out to them to get that quote, as well as Sandals is going to give me that quote. So I know where our clients are getting the better deals. And so just in general, as far as a, a travel agent's role mm -hmm. and kind of job duty, so once you've connected, once they've picked out their resort and they have decided, you know, date and location, all that kind of yeah. stuff, then they can either be passed off to that resort's wedding coordinator um, and you kind of help with obviously the travel plans, but the actual mm -hmm. wedding details would be the resort coordinator or they potentially give you some other vendors that the client needs to pick out and then you help them with that process. So kind of mini planning in a sense for them. Yes. So we do offer care travel does three different packages for that reason. Some brides want to do the own wedding planning portion outside of the travel that we, we book their groups and the rates and all of that, but they want to work with the wedding coordinator directly. So we send it to them, but then there's other packages that I offer where I can do partial planning for them to reach out to vendors and give them those contacts or I can do the planning with them themselves and I communicate with the wedding coordinators. I already know what each resort's wedding packages look like. So I can answer and filter a lot of the questions that they're gonna go through with the coordinator anyway, because I've been doing it so long. So a lot of people don't want to spend that time with the coordinators. And sometimes they get a little pushy because they're out to make a sale. And my job is to have happy brides. So if I can have a happy bride and find a way to save them money, I, I have more of the ins and outs of what to expect. So, and they don't want to invest that extra time. We just schedule planning sessions and do break out the wedding into components and do it that way. Um, as one of those brides that did a destination wedding, we did Jamaica um, yes. and it was amazing. I highly, yeah. although I love wedding planning, I highly encourage a destination wedding I, um, and then come back and throw a big party and still have me be a part of it. But exactly, exactly. With, with our wedding, we chose to, because I was already in the industry and had so many connections, we chose to bring our own photographer from the U.S. Yes. with us. Um, I know there are a lot of couples that also choose to do that. Do you have pros and cons for bringing your own photo and video people with you? My, again, we're going to go personal opinion. I feel because my job is to save my clients money and make sure they have the best experience. Any photographers that most resorts have on site are standard photographers that do all types of pictures and they're very basic, not edited. Um, I do have about five local photographers that we recommend them, our brides, to reach out to to take a photographer with them. There are several perks to bringing your own photographer as far as you're going to get the wedding package photos that you expect and want. You're going to get more for your money, even by paying the photographer's travel is usually cheaper than a photographer on site. 
So it tends to balance out a little bit. It might cost a little bit more, but you're getting what you want. And it adds, when you book the photographer into your group, it adds an extra room to your group and your groups earn perks based on the number of rooms that they get. So that's kind of a win-win at their end for average same cost. Yeah. And typically that's just as basic as uh, book a room, book a flight for the photographer, videographer that you want. They'll bring their equipment and it's just like bringing a vendor to place in your local hometown, except you're, yes, you're paying for the travel most part. Costs. As long as the vendor, the photographer is booked in their wedding group, then they don't charge um, vendor fees. So some resorts limit the amount of equipment that they can bring, like they can't bring the big lighting shields and things like that, but they can do the tripods and their nice cameras and do that. And as long as they're booked within the group, there's no vendor fee, but they can still bring their own photographer or find a photographer in destination that they love, but they would pay a vendor fee to bring that vendor on property if it's outside of what the resort offers. And, and I'm and I'm guessing that it's pretty rare that uh, things like DJs and bands are brought down, or does that happen more often than I kind of think? And what does that normally look like? Uh, it's it's very rare. I would say in the past fifteen years, I've done brought down one DJ service. So um, we've also done one acoustic band that came and played. So we had we rented the equipment in destination that they were going to need. Um, but the band came and played. So it wasn't, it's not common because the cost to bring a DJ with equipment tends to be a little bit more pricey than what they're going to get in their package. But I mean, it's doable. It's not something that's not, it's just not common. Yeah, basically, Josh is saying if you want to take him as your DJ on your destination wedding. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah, I would love exactly. to take him to have him DJ my wedding. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. I, 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 I love I, that. And, you know, we are seeing one of our trends right now is people aren't, their reception, they're doing reception dinners and they're just bringing music to play. They're not paying for the DJs right now in destination because they're coming home and having receptions at home. And then that's when they have the bigger quote unquote reception is at home for those that couldn't be there where they have the nice dinner and the nice ceremony in destination. It's kind of what we're seeing right now. Um, but, yeah. but to kind of bring everything home and together, uh, it, it sounds like if you're looking at bringing vendors along, um, photo and video kind of makes sense, but everything else, there's just a level of being cost prohibitive and you're, yeah. you're working with a lot of moving parts that are just an extra factor that might not be worth it. So I think that's yeah. a, a good tip for somebody thinking about a destination wedding for sure. Definitely, definitely. Photo is definitely a cost saver, I believe. Yeah. And I did that same thing where we had to pretend in a sense that our photographers, although they were my friends, right. but I had to like, these are not professional photographers. They're just right. my friends with nice cameras kind of right. thing. And uh, exactly. they got in on pictures with us. So, And that's something a lot of people don't realize is those are things that we know how to work around is yes, you're bringing your photographer. We're going to get them a day pass. Even if they're not staying at your resort, you pay for the day pass and we'll bring them over because it's your cousin don't mm -hmm. you know there's just ways to work around it and I feel like that's part of our job is to help save you that money versus the wedding coordinator 
when you're working direct with them, that, that's not their job. Their job is to get you to book their photographer and yeah. spend that money. So they're going to say there's an additional vendor fee and no, you can't do that. Where as many as I've done, I know what we can do and what we can't. So yeah. Yeah. And my only advice to couples would be on that is to make sure you talk to your local photographers that are coming. You know, ours wanted to be there a day before um, and a day after. So we weren't just paying for their flight and one hotel stay. We paid for three kind of thing. But the way that ours worked is that that amount, in a sense, we got our pictures for free because we paid for all of that travel. Um, Doesn't always work that way. You definitely have some fees sometimes. Definitely. And there are several of the photographers that I work with that will negotiate their package pricing if you're paying, because most all-inclusive resorts, you have to stay three nights. So they have to bring their photographer down for three nights and they'll pay for photographer one's flights, air and hotel or flights, resort and hotel and insurance for one person, but if they're bringing a second photographer, the couple may pay for that or they may not. Mm -hmm. So it kind of depends on what they contract with. All of the ones that we recommend have worked with us before. So they know, you know, what the guests need and stuff like that. But if they're bringing a photographer, definitely know what you can do and how long they need to be there and what that expense is going to look like beforehand. Yeah. And like you said, there are definitely other, you know, photography companies potentially off resort and stuff like that. I've only been lucky enough to plan one um, destination wedding besides my own. And that was in uh, the Dominican a couple years ago. Um, And they had a local photography and videography company. And it was really nice to work with, you know, work with them as a wedding coordinator on site because they knew the area they knew exactly the best part of the beach at the exact time to take this shot and you know just kind of we're really in the know about and they did it yeah yeah it is a majority of I would say a majority of our weddings bring their own photographer and the other probably 40 percent do a off-property local photographer So um, because of that reason is they know the area, they research and our our brides are willing to pay that vendor fee for them to come on property for the day. So yeah, it is, it's super common and it's super popular. Just my recommendation is most resort photographers are more basic and they don't specialize in things. So it's, it's kind of like anything. If they don't specialize in it and try to do a multitude of things, you can only be as good as all the things you do. Yeah. And, and the, most of the resort photographers, I mean, correct me if I'm incorrect uh, with, with this comment, but um, I mean, I've done the all-inclusive in the Caribbean and every resort seems to have somebody that walks around with a camera and they'll try and yeah. get pictures of you with your, your significant other and they'll try and yeah. sell them to you later or yes. they'll take pictures of your group dinner. I mean, that's the person that would be taking your wedding pictures, correct? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Unless exactly. you hire a wedding photographer locally or take your own definitely yeah exactly and that's what exactly. i said they just do a multitude of things and they're average they're not specialized in editing and the photography needs and poses for the wedding you get the standard things and most brides that's not what they're looking for right now yeah i mean they seem to specialize in volume getting as many pictures yeah. taken as possible and you're, you're playing law of averages commission off of that yeah they absolutely get a commission off of every photo that they sell And a wedding package, a typical wedding package 
25 photos is about $3,000. Wow. $3,000, you can pay for your your photographer's room. $3,000 will pay your vendor fee for the day. So you're getting more photos of what you want versus you got to average 15 to 20 dollars a photo is what the resort sell photos for even in packages yeah it's, it just blows my mind and with the i mean again we don't this obviously could be its own podcast but um with the with the photographers you know think about that wedding experience those 25 photos are probably not you getting ready Exactly. Not, you know, lots of aftermath yeah. kind of thing. And that's, well, you know, they're going to take all of those photos. Yeah. They're going to take all of those photos for you. They're just going to make 25. you choose 25. <laughs> <laughs> and nine times out of 10, you're going to choose 45 and now pay $8,000 for your yep. yep. That's, that's exactly what happened in my sister's wedding in Vegas. That's so, exactly yeah. what they're counting on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's yeah. crazy. I mean, the photographers that Tara and I send out every weekend, you're talking about five to eight hundred image galleries and stuff. And, yeah. and I just what, I can't even I can't even yeah. picture a wedding where you don't have something like that. It's crazy. Exa- exactly. It's it just blows your mind. And I said for the value that you get, it it's so worth it. It's one of those investments that I definitely encourage my brides to do, especially in destination, because that's the one piece that lasts forever. And that's what means the most. I mean, as of right now, I'd say the clubhouse leader for key takeaways here are uh, <laughs> a, a first place tie between um, hire a travel agent and don't try and plan this on your own right. and uh, bring your own photographer because I, I agree. That, that, that's insane. I mean, I it's blowing my mind what you're saying. I mean, yeah. I, I tell people all the time, I mean, I care about my my wedding photos. I really enjoy all of them. Um, yep. I think we got something like a thousand back from our photographer and yep. I can tell you exactly what 10 of them are because they're the ones that are hung up at the house. And, exactly. you know, and, and, and that's generally it. And I mean, yeah. it, it, not to yeah. not not to like uh, talk down on what the actual service is, but yeah. realistically speaking for an engagement session, you're going to get a hundred pictures to pick the one that you put on your um, social media profile and the other that you put on your save the date. Exactly. Your wedding photos, you're looking for the one that you put on your wall and the, uh, the 10 to yeah. 15 that happen yeah. to hang around the house. And, you know, outside yeah. of that, it's, it's stuff you look at on your anniversary, but I mean, right. only having 25 just seems very prohibitive. Uh, it, it really is. Um, one of the other big trends is <clears throat> with photography is the videography because our couples are having bigger ceremonies, more elaborate ceremonies and less elaborate receptions because they're coming home to do the bigger receptions. So they are doing videography on site. So they have a video to play at their receptions. So they're adding that expense to their destination where the reception is not where they're going to invest their money because that's not, you know, a lot of them are hiring just a basic DJ and only have them for two hours and having the nicer dinner or they're not investing in the dance floors and the the cool things that they were before. It's becoming reception more simple, but our actual weddings are becoming more elaborate. Flowers. I see more investment in flowers right now than I've ever, ever seen because they want their arches and they want their gazebos with flowers and all this decor and lighting, chandeliers in gazebos 
like these are things that are trending really large right now is, is the look of the ceremony where if you would have asked me two years ago, the ceremony was simple and the reception was big. Yeah, and um, just where video and, and all of these things are just uh, from, a, from a time and place standpoint, I mean, the, the production value is, is there. Yeah. And uh, most videographers have a firm grasp on the on the production value to turn your your wedding into a, into a movie and exactly. just where all the equipment and the editing and everything is. I mean, it's a good time to good time to be uh, alive and putting wedding videos together. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I I would say eighty percent of my weddings right now are doing videography as well. Yeah. And I highly encourage that we did a video and then we played it at our reception and we got married here at the Wareham. So a theater. So we made it like it was a production where they came to the theater to watch a movie of us. And then, you know, we kind of did our grand entrance behind the screen kind of thing. The one thing I would, you know, caution on those companies and just because I ran into this uh, week. So we brought our own photography, but we hired an out a company within Jamaica to do our video. Um, We have since had kids and I thought I lost my wedding video. And so I called that company in Jamaica and emailed them. And then I finally got a response back that they're no longer in business and they don't have a copy of it. Now, luckily I've found it and now oh, I've made seven other copies of it yes. to make sure that I don't lose it again. And everybody has a copy and stuff, but that's definitely something like the moment you get your wedding video back, like make a copy of mm-hmm. the moment you get your photos back. If you hire somebody, you know, in a different country, and I, make copies. And I think too, that is part of one of the things that as like your travel advisor is we know companies that have been around for a long time and that are good and have that credibility versus somebody who's only been in business for two years and they may do great work, but that doesn't show stability in, are they bonded? Are they certified? Are they legit in Jamaica versus, oh, somebody who put up a website who's looking to make money and having some of that security is part of like my responsibility is to make sure that when things like that happen is that the company, I have someone to go to when that happens, even if they were to close down, I would have a contact and we might not be able to, to find that video because it's long gone. But yeah, it's it's knowing your companies that you're partnered mm-hmm. with in other countries. That's really tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I let's agree. get on to um, about guests. We did definitely a fairly small guest count at our destination. What is what the average number of people that people are bringing to their destinations? Currently? Or in the past. Uh, let's do both. In the past. <laughs> Pre-COVID. 2019 and 2021. <laughs> I was going to say, that's kind of where we're definitely different. Pre-COVID, weddings were running 50 rooms to 75 rooms. So about 100 to 150 people. Um, Post-COVID-ish, <laughs> hoping we're post-COVID soon, Um is the smaller, more intimate weddings. Um, I'm seeing 15 to 35 rooms, more average, um, more common, but I'm also seeing length of stay change. So in the past for 
you know, they were, the bride and groom was staying seven nights and guests were staying anywhere from four to six nights, because if they're going to travel, they don't want to just travel for the day or the three nights. So now I'm seeing our brides and grooms are staying for 10 nights and guests are staying for shorter. So our bride and groom is staying longer. So they have more time on their own and guests are staying between that three and five nights. So in the past, it was more equal where they were staying for longer as a group. Now it's like they want more time on their own and the groups are staying shorter. Is some of that just trying to get back into the country and uh, cut down the amount of time that you can possibly expose yourself and get, get quarantined? I don't or... think necessarily that's it as much as potentially income um, or being away, just being away. Um, family members will stay a little bit longer, but most friends and family right now are, are only doing that three and four nights. And I think it's just with COVID and everything, it's just, we need to get home. I don't know if it's necessarily like the testing and, and those type of requirements. It's just one of those things that are, that's changing right now. Um, I like the longer stays for the couples. I think that is a great thing when you have your family and friends. I think you have to always have, I think that's, wasn't that the point of a honeymoon originally? You have a wedding that's super stressful and everybody's around and you take a honeymoon to get away from that and start your life together. And people with destination weddings don't necessarily see it that way. They see a destination wedding as a party with their friends and family for the whole time. And so like, it's nice to see them taking a little bit extra time where they're to themselves. Yeah, I, I highly encourage that. We did, and I guess I'm gonna have a follow-up question for you to see if this is normal, but we did kind of like a, a five-day stay at one resort um, and majority of our friends and family that came stayed for those four to five nights as well. And then we spent two days um, at a different resort that would be just for us. Do you see couples do that do. switch and kind of get away from their family now? <laughs> Definitely. I see it as kind of a 50-50. They'll upgrade their room at the resort that they're staying at for the last part of their stay, their honeymoon part, or they will switch resorts completely to go somewhere new for their honeymoon. But I, it is, it is very, very common. Perfect. With those, um, your clients that are bringing guests with them, um, do you see, and you, you kind of allotted to this earlier, but them doing those full receptions or you're saying more so just doing those small intimate dinners? We are just, it's so hard because our weddings are, are bipolar right now. We have extremes and we have basic. So those that are doing the longer stays are doing the dinner and DJ and dance, but they're not spending the money on upgraded decors for their reception. You know, with the, we want pinks and we want blues and we want flowers and we want the things on our table for the reception. They're just doing the plain white, simple, but doing the DJ and dance, or they're just doing a nice private dinner. So it's, it's kind of, not normal right now. Like there is there is just like a not no predictability in what that is settling right now. We're kind of just saying this is yours. You do what you want. Your guests yeah. are going to enjoy it no matter whether it's just a, a group dinner together. Your ceremony is why they were there. So 
but the receptions at home is very popular for those that couldn't come. And yeah. I think that that's where that kind of money is being spent. I mean, Tara, I think that you would agree. That's kind of the trend that we're just seeing here in the, in the yeah. States for the, the, what I'll call a standard wedding that, that we're putting together. There's this big focus that's probably been there for the past few years about um, this, this individualism and what you're adding to the uh, day to make it yours. And, um, you know, weddings are, are a little less standard than I'd say they were uh, a few years ago. There's still a formula. There's still a, a basic overall recipe, but, you know, we're not always making chocolate chip cookies. We might be throwing oatmeal raisin in there every once in a while too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an ever-changing industry. That's for sure. Do you find that a lot of your resorts have different package levels for them to choose for their reception? Um, so like we had, if you just want the standard package where you get this flower and this cake and this champagne on this set of the lawn, great. Right. Here's your price. And you got like two arbors to choose from kind of thing sure. versus, or you can upgrade to this, 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 and this. Do you find that a lot? Um, again, this is a yes and no, because our resorts are transitioning because exactly what you said was the individualism. They, we used to have packages, like here's what you get for this price. It's the cake, this, this kind of decor, blah, blah, blah. Now our brides were wanting to pick apart those packages. We want just this, but this isn't going to be used. And this, so a lot of the resorts that we work with are, they offer a basic package and then it's kind of a la carte from there where others have, here's four packages, or you can do a la carte. So we're finding it both ways. I believe there we're seeing more of a transition into the a la carte because our brides are, are very individual and want very different things right now. And nobody wants to say, I got this package and so did 20 other people. That's kind of where our brides' mindsets are at is I want mine to be different. And that I think that's great. Um, and finding the new things, the new trends that are coming out and incorporating those into destination weddings is super fun. And working with the resorts that will allow that because some won't go outside of their package, others will. So speaking of being individualistic, um, there's there's a period of time where I, I consider like in somebody's life, it's your wedding season. And, and it's like a four or five period, uh, four or five year period of time where all your friends get get married. I think I mentioned on the last one that um, that uh, that wedding that I came to town to Manhattan for was the last of my friend group. And it was over a 14, 15 year period of time. Um, so do you find that more of the destination wedding couples are in the uh, younger end of the spectrum where they're just right out of college and they're planning destination weddings or if they're more of the uh, last part of the friend group where everybody's kind of settled into their life more disposable income because I, I honestly feel like the uh, the first part of that that group like the younger ones are the ones that don't want to do the wedding like their best friend that they stood in four months ago they want to do something different but by the time you get to the later part of the group they're just like I want to do what's fun and if it's the same package that six yeah. other people did I mean what what are your thoughts and experiences with that? So as far as that is, we have definitely the spectrum. We have, I don't, I cannot say that there is like a general time frame or age range for our couples because we have a lot of, we're in Manhattan. So we have a lot of the college students who are graduating and ready to settle down and they want to have the destination wedding because it is different. 
Um, but we also have the teachers and the professors and the doctors that are at a later age in life who are getting married. Um, even if it's for the first time, we're seeing a lot of second time and vow renewals um, that go into the little bit higher. Like it's very even right now. Um, I would say if I was to guess a couple of years ago, it would be that um, the later end of that spectrum, you know, your 25s to 35s for sure, um, towards the later end of that, where people have settled into a job, have settled into a home, and then they're getting married. But that is not what we're seeing for probably the past five years. It's very, very much up and down and even, more even than it has been. When it comes to kind of the um, the stay at the resorts, um, for example, going to Jamaica in order for our marriage to actually be legal, we had to be, I think it was in the country, at least 48 hours, it may have even been 72, um, before we could actually do our ceremony. And so we could be on sites properly, but we had to wait before we could do our ceremony, which almost backfired on us because our planes got delayed in Miami twice and I was like we're gonna miss it and we made it literally within two hours of that time period and I was like yep. okay I don't have to change everything but is that common in most countries yes almost every destination has a quote-unquote residency requirement um and it ranges from five days to 48 hours, depending on where you're going. So um, again, that's something a lot of people don't factor into their stay. They're like, oh, I want to be here this day to this day and have my wedding on this day. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But where you're going requires a 72 hours. So you naturally need to come in on this day. Um, so yeah, it definitely factors into a lot of travel plans that we've had to adjust because people don't realize that there's that time frame. Yeah. So again, another reason why to hire a, a travel agent. So oh, third, third, third um, on the uh, leaderboard is uh, make sure that make, make sure that you know factors like that. Um, exactly. I, I literally had no idea about that. I mean, I I yeah. haven't actually been to a destination wedding, and that's kind of a fact that blows my mind, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's 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 been destination weddings have been on the upward trend for about five years now. And I kind of have this, um, I call it my excited fear of it's exploding right now because everybody's like, we've been cooped up, it's time to go. So let's bring our friends and family and go. I'm seeing more requests for the destination weddings than I have in a long time. In the past, I could say, oh, we'll do probably 15 a year. Right now, I am like quoting them left and right. And I'm like, what is happening? I, I had a quote just the other day for 2024 already. So, and then I also had one for 2022. So I'm seeing a lot. Yeah, it's, there's just so many factors right now. You're going to have to start placing people in some of these. I know, I know. I'm like, I... I want Tara. Tara, come start planning my destination. I know, wedding. I want to. <laughs> Just get my kids a little bit older and exactly. daddy won't be so mad that I'm we'll leaving all the time. We'll partner it out, definitely. Yes. Well, perfect. Well, again, going back to that legality thing, um, how does the marriage license work? Do they get it in their home state? Do they get it in their country? How does yeah. that? So most destinations, again, when I say most destinations, understand that I am typically referring to the Caribbean. Other destinations are less popular and there's a little bit different factors into those. So in the most part, your wedding will be legal 
in that destination and your wedding certificate will be from that destination. So for Jamaica, you probably got a legal Jamaican wedding certificate that is, they're huge, huge. and they're so <laughs> colorful. I've never seen a wedding certificate so colorful because I had a destination wedding in Jamaica yep. as well. So they're beautiful. But then when you get home, you put a copy of that on file. And I think it costs like $35 if it costs anything mm -hmm. to just have it on file that you're legally married. And it's still valid here in the US for anything that we need, but you don't need, if you didn't file it, it doesn't make a huge difference. Yeah. So yeah, but every destination you will get it from that country specifically. Okay, so they don't have to go to their own county courthouse and do another one back here. No, once they get their marriage license, which typically from destination takes a long time to get, it's usually eight to 12 weeks, sometimes longer right now because of everything, but um, eight to 12 weeks and then you'll get it in the mail, certified mail, and it'll be authentic from that country, signed and everything. And then you just go to the courthouse in your town and ask them to put it on file, a copy of it on file. And I remember with ours, you know, like here in the United States, although you list down a witness, like anybody technically can print those people's names, they're not asking for signatures. In Jamaica, like our witnesses truly had to sign that marriage license. So if a couple was going just by themselves to do an elopement, like who signs that marriage license, who's their witness? The wedding coordinator and um, the assistant wedding coordinator will become their witnesses. Yeah, they provide witnesses for their guests if they need them. So yeah. what if you really bond with one of the bartenders at the late night place? Can they come over and do it for you? You can. Actually, that's a funny story. I've had that happen. We had a bartender and a restaurant server show up at a wedding and I was giggling. I'm like, what are they doing? And because the, the couple was sending us tons of pictures and they're like, these are our witnesses. And I'm like, the bartender is your witness. And she was like, yeah, as long as he attends the wedding and can sign, we're good. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as you can provide your own witnesses. And if you can't, if you go solo with just the two of you and do something on your own, there are witnesses provided for you. And typically it's the wedding coordinator and an assistant. Perfect. You yeah, have and the I right think that to elope, and if you uh, cannot produce a witness, one will be provided for you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I think it's like we did our um, our actual ceremony. I mean, it was on a, a Thursday. The you know the resort was I would say half full for for yeah. that capacity. Um, but I remember we weren't too far from the pool bar. Um, and so like after they pronounced us married, like you could just hear all you of hear the, everybody. All the yes. people at the bar, like cheering. Yes. And it's like, oh, like we had extra guests. We just didn't know. They exactly. Were <laughs> we didn't know they were attending. Yes. I said, there are very few resorts that have like very, very secluded locations. Mm -hmm. So it's something that if you're looking for a secluded location, that's important to know in our, you know, when we're talking about it, because again, some people don't mind that attention. Other people are like, no, I just want yeah. to my friends and family. That's not who I am. So that's another important thing when we're talking about that people don't think about on an average when they're thinking about it. Yeah. yeah, going back real quick to vendors because this thought just threw in my head. Yeah, we are our, our resort had an on-site uh, salon that did like my hair and my makeup. Do most resorts have that yes. as an option? Yes. Okay. yes, every all-inclusive resort has a spa. Um, now some have smaller spas than others, so they might not do hair services or 
I would say most of them do hair, but some might not do nails. So it's something, again, knowing your resorts and what they offer um, based on your needs. Um, again, kind of going back to that uh, ugly word we hate talking about, but yeah. that darn COVID restrictions. <laughs> are are yeah. you finding that resorts are limiting the number of people they can bring for a guest list for a destination wedding at all? So early COVID, yes. We were, we were moving all destination weddings and then we had to downsize a little bit. They were not um, telling guests that they couldn't, if they were already booked, they could still come. They just did different guidelines into kind of breaking them into a little bit smaller groups, like when they're setting and stuff. So, but now that was released and now you can have your wedding no matter what size it is currently. I'm predicting that's going to change again and focus back to the smaller groups um, pending what COVID O does for us right now. Yeah. Um, we will, we'll see what that's going to look like, but I, again, you have to remember resorts goals are to sell rooms, you know, is to have those beds. And if the resort can only be 60% occupancy or 50% occupancy, which is kind of what they're doing right now is cutting that occupancy down. Your group may be 40% of that occupancy, which is okay if you're already booked. But yeah. if you're not booked and you don't have a room block, that comes into planning that group factor as well as your room blocks. If they're just booking on their own to attend your wedding, they're not necessarily going to get in. Yeah, and we've done uh, we've done episodes about just hotel room blocks, and it's yeah. um, it, it's one of those things that uh, the actual reality is the hotel in the States. And I'm sure that it's probably less like this when you're talking about a destination, because there's yeah. probably not as much transient traffic, but the hotel on a busy weekend in the middle of July would rather have, you know, 50 people walk in off the street. That they sell a room to on a one-off basis, than yep. do a block of 50. They're going to be full one way or another. And they're trying yep. to, you know, Make not only maximize their, their count of rooms they have full, but they're trying to get the revenue out of those rooms as well. So, exactly. um, you know, really important to get that block um, set and uh, filled as quickly as possible. So um, yeah. does, a, does a resort block work similar to a domestic hotel where they're going to give you 10 rooms and you fill that, they'll give you more and, and so forth? Or is it more? No, of it's more of block off what you need. And then we release at a certain date anything unused. So if you think you're going to have 25 rooms, I advise my guests always to hold 35 instead of 25. It's better to have more than not enough. And then when that release date comes, we'll release rooms without penalty for anybody who has not deposited. And then let's say we've released rooms and we have everybody who's deposited. There will always be uh, a person in your group that's like, oh, I didn't know, I wanna book in, that we can pull them into the group, but it's at whatever rate and availability is there. So recently I've had two or three situations where the resort has literally sold out. And this is for February weddings of 2022. Both resorts are sold out completely. And I have three wedding guests that want to attend this wedding I have nothing for you. Well, you didn't tell me. No, no, but this is not how this works. We had space. You knew you just put it off to the last minute, which is okay. 
if there's availability. But because people are moving weddings and booking new weddings, availability is very low right now. We're facing a lot of issues with that. And so we're encouraging everyone to contract for the block of rooms. Get comfy on a couch. I mean, you're, you're going down to hang out with your friends and family, find somebody that'll let you crash on a floor. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how yeah. this stuff goes. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, but the difference is, is like at a hotel, you can do that where a, a third or fourth person can crash into somebody's room. You can't do that at an all-inclusive because you pay per person and you have to get through security. And that's something that is a huge thing that we come across is, oh, I'm, I didn't know I couldn't just stay in John's room. Yeah, that's not how it works because an all-inclusive is very different. When you check into an all-inclusive, you typically go through a security gate first and then check in and get a wristband or depending on how the resort works, you get checked into that room and you're approved to be there. But you can't just like walk into an all-inclusive resort like you do a hotel. So that is a big misconception. We had a father of the bride two years ago think he was just going to stay in his brother's room and got to the resort and called me furious that he didn't have a room and I said you didn't call me to book a room well I'm staying with my brother but you're this is not how this works and so it is it is a misconception you can't just put four people in a room because at an all-inclusive it is per person because that's how they keep track of their numbers well yeah yeah. know the rules (laughs) definitely definitely plan ahead (laughs) yes absolutely do you um do you find that with those um room blocks is there where the guests have to pay money up front to book those rooms or is it most of the time or not guests but like the client the Mm -hmm. wedding couple do they have to pay um some of those rooms So they're not necessarily paying some of the rooms. They're paying a price to hold the rooms. So they do typically pay a deposit to hold their group block. And then that deposit is applied towards their room at final payment. So they're not losing that money. It's being applied, but it's kind of upfront. They're paying the money upfront to hold rooms for their guests. And then their goal is to get the guests to put their deposits down on their room as soon as possible so they can get their money back sooner. And as a travel agent, do you primarily work, um, you know, obviously probably a little more hands-on with the couple, but when it comes to the guests, besides booking their room, do you also help them with their flight or is there packages where the, if I'm getting married, I could send out, hey, for X amount of dollars, you can pay to get your room and your flight. Sure. Most people to get their flights on their own. Yeah, no, definitely most people get their flights on their own, but we do take care of the guests just as we would the couple with the exception of the wedding planning. So we still advise them of the COVID updates. We still reach out and say, have you booked your flights? If not, do you need help? Um, Here's what we require. We have transfers. We always book transfers with our room packages. So they always have transfers. So we get their flight information either way. So we can secure their transfers for them. Do you need travel protection on your trip? Again, the C word, highly recommended. Book travel insurance right now. Come on. Um, It's definitely one of those things that's like, I don't need it. Uh, Have you heard of the C word? 
<laughs> so, so a destination wedding is really just not booking a client. You're booking 50 clients. I'm, I'm booking 50 clients, definitely, with the added wedding planning component for the couple. Definitely. Yeah. And I, and I highly encourage those transfers as somebody who had to take a cab once in Jamaica. It's a little scary. <laughs> oh my gosh, that makes me laugh so much. We have connections in all of the Caribbean islands and even several in Europe and Asia, we have driver connections. And um, so we set them up with transfers for their groups as you know the flights come in. And when I have flights, I can put certain people together and, and do private for the others. And we just take care of all that because it does become very sticky and messy when somebody's at the airport going, um, I don't know how to catch a taxi or um, I'm going to Uber. Well, you can't Uber in, in certain destinations. They don't offer it. So it's just like, okay, you can't do that. And Uber is not allowed on properties at certain times to pick up guests. So there's a whole factor in there is like, we just make sure you have quality provided transfers and what you do with your air is up to you. We can help with that. But if we put air in a package for weddings, it tends to be higher because we're limited to the supplier that we booked the wedding with is contract options for flights. So we don't get as many options for flights as you would find on your own. So a lot of times we encourage them to book their own flights. People have miles and points and all those things. Use those for your flights and then send me the flights and we'll connect all the pieces together for you. Yeah, perfect. And um, another thing that um, kind of came to mind when we talk about um, you know traveling and stuff like that, when I was traveling with my dress, I didn't have to count my dress as luggage or even a carry-on. They just kind of let me take it um, as that added thing. Is that is that pretty common that you can kind of bring that along or does the bride or you know groom need to account so for their the, attire? Right. So the couple is typically your dress is considered a carry-on. Most airlines will give you flexibility on it. Um, if you're flying at on Christmas Eve to Cancun, Mexico, it's probably going to be considered a carry-on because of the demand for the flight. Um, most, most flights will also hold your um, gown in the closet up front versus having to put it in the overhead. But again, if it's a common destination flight and there's five brides, they're not going to let one bride do it and not the other four. So they're going to say no. So you kind of have to pretend and play nice with, and we have a whole checklist of things like, here's our recommendations, be nice, take the stewardess candy, do, you know, like this whole list of things to try to get that extra step of, do you mind if I put this in here that they're going to say yes, it won't always work. You can't guarantee people's moods for the day, but nine times out of 10, it does work. So exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, try to try to make friends with uh, people that exactly. are service providers exactly. and flight and attendants I said, are, I mean, they're there for safety. That's what their actual job is. 100%. But, um, you know, at the, at the same time, they're in the service industry and they realize that and that you can tell they have passengers they like and, and don't. Well, <laughs> I think it too, right now, is a great example of frustrations and tensions are so high in people right now and stress is so high that it um that 
they are, are on guard for what's gonna come at them. So if you show up on the plane and you have a bag of M&Ms and you say, here you go, hope you have a great day. Like, I just wanna make you smile. They're gonna be like, oh my gosh, this is a really nice person who understands service. And you're gonna be like, do you mind if I put my wedding dress up here? And they're gonna go, definitely, you know? So it, it just makes a difference. Yeah, one of one of my favorite stories. I'll make this really quick. But I was on a I was on a flight, and I I have um like a list of songs that I listen to anytime that a plane takes off. I queue up "Highway to the Danger Zone," and right after you hear the ding, and they get onto the active runway. As soon as I drop the throttle, hit play, and uh, the first chorus hits right when the wheels take off. Um, you feel like you're a fighter pilot. It's great. I recommend it to everybody. I've been doing it for a decade. Um, so awesome. I have like an eight song list um, for the, for this other thing that I write for. I actually uh, wrote a 3000 word article that talks significantly about this. Um, so but uh, I had, I had one, uh, one uh, flight where I got along with the attendants really well. And they let me hold my phone up to the, uh, I was sitting in the um, like bulkhead row, the, which is the first row of the plane. They pulled the phone out so I could play that for everybody. That's <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's amazing when you when it's you get so along cool. with people, they'll they'll have fun with you. And I, I mean, was gonna say it's all in how you treat people, and you just have to. I think people forget that flight attendants are in the service industry. You think that they're just there to give you soda and crackers, and they're not. They are looking out for our safety, and they're working harder than ever, especially right now through all of this. And with the tension so high, all it takes is even saying, good morning. I understand it's probably, I, I tell them all the time, like, I could not do what you do. This is just not something, and they're like, oh my gosh, you have no idea. And I'm like, you're right, I don't, because I can't even imagine what you do. And it just takes a smile. And so when you send something a little extra, and like I said, M&Ms have worked wonders, and you just take, you know, those family packs of M&Ms, those little bit bigger pound bags. Yeah. I will take them and be like, here guys, share them. Cause there's several people, you know, there's several stewardess taking care of you. And I'm like, here, enjoy Like I get it. They don't get breaks. They don't get, they have to deal with us. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would say I was definitely one of those that kind of helped, you know, kind of try to bribe. I'm like, let me put my dress up front. And the, the crazy thing on our way home that I also tried to carry on the way home, I was like, screw it. I'm just going to pack my dress. I'll clean it and, you know, steam it when I get home. Definitely. But on the way home, because we were silly, I decided to do unity sand because that was the big thing, you know, 10 plus years ago when I got married. So we did, you know, sand from Jamaica plus the colored sand that matched our wedding. And so I was like, I'm going to need to hold this glass here full of sand and like do all of the security. I was like, do not knock it over. Like, please, it needs to stay upright. It's all in its like beautiful little vase and something like that. And then five years into kids, they knocked it off the shelf and it's gone. So there is a new thing, and it's something we should talk about because there's this new thing. It's called Unity Glass. It's so cool. So it is basically glass-colored beads, just like sand. It's small beads, and several of my brides have done it. You put the glass beads together like you would the sand at your ceremony, and then you ship it off, and they create a hand-blown statue or a vase or a bowl something that you can use in the future with the glass that you put together which i think uh, is amazing, amazing. Yeah, that's great 
It's yeah. called Unity Glass, and my and it's expensive because it's it's actually glass, but it is something. You know, your sand that you mix, you never do anything with that, or it gets knocked off the shelf. It gets knocked over, and it becomes a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times that has happened. And I'm like, with this glass, you once you've put it together, you just ship it off to the company, and you've paid for the vase or the bowl that on your anniversary, when your husband sends you flowers or your wife sends you flowers, you stick it in the vase and it's being used for other things. It's amazing. Love it. Oh, I like that. Here's another uh, DIY thing that I just kind of thought of. And this, this is somewhat, uh, I used to work for a craft adhesive company. I, I used to work for glue dots. Um, but so if, uh, if you do the bigger pieces of glass or like marbles, you can get those from any of your big box craft stores. You could pour a clear um, kind of epoxy resin yes. type of adhesive in there to turn it into a heavier piece that the kids aren't going to knock over um but you <laughs> can't do that with sand i mean there's there's nothing you're going to do it's just it's sand yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so it's just really neat to see some of the things that are popping up for destination weddings because the sand is so popular this has become a great alternative to for our destination wedding couples and i've been sending a lot of it um, it's starting to pick up pretty good. And like, I think they're gorgeous. Like I actually want to do a base and I don't want to, like, I just want to do one. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're really pretty. And I'm like, man, but I want to do another vow renewal. So <laughs> well, come up, come up with an excuse for somebody you want to connect with, do one with, uh, you know, your friends, or your family. I was going to say, <laughs> we need to start seeing more, um, friend renewals. So yeah, there we, go. we have had, in the past, about three or four years ago, we had two groups, didn't know each other. One called and said, I'm meeting up with my best friend from high school. We haven't seen each other in 25 years. We want to go to the beach. We are like, great. We scheduled it. We booked them. They talked to their friends that graduated at the same time. And it basically ended up being a, like a college reunion. And they had like 20 people there, but she got to spend this new friend, friend renewal thing where they got together and hung out for, with their friends. It was super cool. But two different females were doing the exact same thing, different years, of course, but it was very unique how it both popped up in the same year, how it's not really like a, a high school or college reunion that wasn't planned, but as I'm meeting up with my friend that I haven't seen in forever and making that special. So it was super cool. Yeah. 12 years ago, I got pulled into a group of um, college rowers that I just yeah. know through a bunch of just life experiences and yeah. the idea came up of let's take everybody to a major league baseball city. And yeah. uh, we haven't missed a year since with the exception of 2020. Um, exactly. I had a, I had a barbecue truck lined up to, uh, pull into the Kauffman stadium parking lot in, in Kansas city. And That's awesome. it, uh, sucked to, uh, cancel all that stuff. But I mean, we've hit, um, 12, uh, 13 baseball parks over the 11 years that we've done everything. And it turned yeah. into an annual kind of ritual. Um, yeah. so yeah, highly recommend doing that. If you can get your friend group to commit. Oh to my something. gosh, it, it happens. And once they've done it, they will do it every year. You just don't get that time back. Time is yeah. time is important. Yeah. Well, as we kind of um, finish up our talk today, one thing that I can't remember if we talked about it during the honeymoons, but I know we've talked about it on our bridal registry um, or wedding registry podcast. Um, 
do you encourage people to set up like we had a registry through our resort where they could buy in a sense our um in- exclusion or what are they called excursions, excursions. excursions. Yeah. Um, or candlelight dinners or something like that and so the guests that couldn't be there and we're like i don't want to buy you a pot and a pan we're going to buy you excursions in jamaica um, and then we basically got to use that money on whatever we wanted to. So they thought they were buying us a surfboard trip because that would have ended well on my behalf. <laughs> you know, and instead I chose the candlelight dinner. Um, do you encourage your couples to do that? Do a lot of the resorts offer that? How does that work? So here is my take on it. Yes, a lot of resorts are offering those registries through the resort, like you said, for the excursions, for the candlelight dinner, things like that. Okay. There are also um, registries called honeymoon registries out there. The Honey Fund, there's several of them um, who you create your own. So you do, I want this tour, this tour, this candle at dinner. You use the things from the resort, but you can also add things off property that the resort doesn't offer. So you could add your flights on there to get upgraded to first class or private transfers or limo transfers. You can add gift cards. Don't wanna purchase something specific, purchase us a gift card. It works very similar, but you can more customize it. If you do the resort one, you are restricted to use that funds at the resort. If you do it through another registry, you get that cash and can use it to book things at the resort, or you could use it to pay off the credit card for your wedding, whatever you want to use that for. But if you do the one through the resort, you are limited to if you get $500, but you only wanna do a candlelit dinner, you're stuck, you're out the rest of that money because it has to be used at that resort. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So we do tell people that you have both options However, we recommend doing it outside of the resort because you could still use that money to book the tours that you want, but you're not stuck to just resort things. Perfect. Definitely. Registries are big and a lot of people don't think about them right now. No. Do not bring pots and pans to Jamaica. I don't want to fly home with it. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Perfect. Well, when it comes to kind of my last question would be when it comes to the reception, maybe back home, do you guide your couples on when that should be such as like, don't plan it for three days after your flight in case something happens with your flight or weeks after months after like where, when do you encourage your guests to plan that destination or that site reception? Definitely. I Don't come across that question a lot because most people, once they book their destination wedding, do that before we even get into the planning process. So they've done it before I even mentioned it to them. Gotcha. So a lot of times they're like, oh yeah, we're not doing a reception because we're doing one at home. And that's when I ask, have you started the process? And they're like, oh yeah, we have the venue, we have all of this. So I kind of step back on that. So it is something that if I was asked about it in the planning process. And maybe it's something that we need to talk about more so I can encourage that at a certain point, at least give them a brochure or something that says, here's a great planning timeline for what this looks like. But if I was to guess, I definitely think it should be about a month after you get back because you want time for your photos to come back and the videos to come back and all of that. So, um, 
yeah, but that's not a question I've come across. So I find that interesting. Yeah. And I would be on the same thing. Like we did ours two weeks after, and it wasn't mm-hmm. enough time for my photographer to get all of my images done. And so okay. I just had like sneak peeks and I only had a select few to choose from to highlight at the reception. And that was my only downfall. And then I kind of felt like rushed once I got back, like, oh crap, now I got to get all Now I got to do something else. I was a wedding planner. It wasn't as bad for me, but the general public that doesn't do this for a living, give yourself some grace to kind of get that all solidified. Like in, to me, in a perfect world, I would love to see those receptions at home at their one year anniversary because that becomes a new get together with people that couldn't attend the wedding to celebrate their wedding. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that sounds like a long time for people, but it gives you time to settle and get back into life and then have a new celebration again with your friends a year later. Instead of trying to plan another vacation, you, you make that one year anniversary, something special in in relationship well it's less manufacturing a stress too (laughs) yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent so yeah and then like i think that would be awesome yeah and then like me we did ours on different dates so now i'm like well should we celebrate both anniversaries like here's our wedding date but this was our reception day exactly celebrate me for like months on end exactly (laughs) so now you can celebrate me for three whole months (laughs) (laughs) definitely but that's where i say like even couples will plan their honeymoons and I know it's off destination weddings but they will plan their honeymoons because they can't afford it because of the wedding we'll plan it at their one year anniversary so they can still do have a honeymoon but it's a year later versus shortly after they leave so but yeah 100 percent. I I haven't come across that but I definitely think it's something that we should talk more about because I would love to be able to give them that information because I definitely Absolutely. Well, any other destination wedding tips uh, for our listeners today? I think, like we said, some of the big takeaways is contracting for your room blocks. That is something we're seeing um, the need for versus you booking a room and we add and us adding guests as they come. Availability is so limited. Um, I think it's huge that you are working with a travel specialist who knows weddings as well, not just a regular travel agent. They have to know weddings because it is completely a different aspect. It's a a bonus on top of travel. So not only do I know the destinations for travel, but I also know their weddings. And there are agents out there that don't, they just sell travel. And so that wedding component gets lost. And I think that's hard. I am even a hundred percent. I've worked with several wedding planners because they, people will think that they need a wedding planner to plan a destination wedding. So the wedding planner and I work together to do the destination weddings for our couple because they, they went to them first. And so they know their couple better than I do. So let's work together to do this. Um, that's huge. There are so many factors in any wedding, whether it's local or destination, that couples don't think about. You don't think about that time requirement that you have to be there. You don't think about the sand for your sand <laughs> ceremony. Is Which is technically really it's illegal to take the sand off of the beach in Jamaica, but shh, don't tell anyone. You don't know how to do it. <laughs> 
So there's just so many little factors that people don't think about that is standard for what we do. And we guide you through that. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. I would say biggest takeaway. Yeah, hire a professional and every asset when it comes to your wedding to make sure you have somebody to be your voice and to help you with reason uh, and definitely give you that guidance. So, yeah. yeah. In, in everything, I think you need someone who knows what they do and are doing it day in and day out versus trusting the internet that is not necessarily your best friend always. <laughs> it's great to get educated there and get information, but it may not be the most accurate information that you're getting. So use, use a specialist for anything. Yeah. Know your rules. Perfect. That's, yeah. that's the other thing that I got, know your rules. I mean, it sounds yeah. like there's regulations with harsh consequences. Um, you know, anything yeah. from not being able to bring people. Um, and, yeah, uh, yeah and, and, and knowing what the photography looks like if you just try to do this on your, your own and in a vacuum yeah. without getting that advice. I mean, $8,000 for a 50 photo wedding gallery sounds yeah, like a lesson horrible. I'm not interested in learning. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I, and I would say, you know, there's obviously going to be listeners that can't afford the travel agency, but do, do your research because like my Dominican Republic, they decided not to use a travel agent for everything. Um, and they did a wedding that was not on the resort. And so we used a travel agent for our resort stay and stuff like that, but their actual wedding site was not on the resort. And so definitely. And yeah, that sorry, is definitely <laughs> something that, sorry, Tara, but that's definitely something that we help them with. If they can't afford the resort, we work with companies off properties to mm -hmm. coordinate that for them, where exactly what you're saying is you need to know somebody in the destination, you yep. know, to make that happen. And those connections we've already built. So yeah, yeah. and it doesn't yeah. anything more to use us for the services if you want to do that component on your own we mm -hmm. will take care of your groups and make sure you're earning your parts but the wedding planning part if you you can be as hands-on or hands-off as you want yeah and partnering with you guys is is huge because you get to do the things that in destination that they need help with that I don't do yeah. yeah, I don't. Yeah, and the great thing that 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 it was a true wedding venue in a sense, and yeah. what that group or what that venue did was had a Facebook page of past brides and grooms and couples that had gotten married there, and it was basically like that. My couple could yeah. just go yeah. on that page and ask, like, okay, well, what did you do about this? And I yeah. see they have this package. Was that worth the upgrade? You yeah. know, and they kind of were able to talk to other couples that yeah. had yeah. that experience at that same destination yep. and kind of talk about that. So again, you know, just do your research. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. We love chatting oh, with you and uh, oh. we want to go on lots of fun trips just like you do. So I'm going to get my kids, you know, growing <laughs> up real fast so I can start. Okay. <laughs> okay. You make that happen. Good luck. <laughs> I appreciate everything you guys do. I love working together and it's a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Great stuff. Once again, from Nikki with Care Travel. And uh, until next time, take care. Cheers and happy wedding planning. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you got some helpful insight as you plan the big day. So until next time, I'm Tara with the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. And I'm Josh. Please make sure to subscribe to our channel and rate and review us if you like what you hear. 
We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting, and coordination services. Visit completewedo.com for more info. Happy wedding planning.